2: Now you're very welcome along to the Huddle Breakdown. It is a massive week in Celtic. It is Glasgow Derby week. We are just four days away from the biggest game of the season to date. Celtic take on Rangers. If Celtic win, as I've said, they are six points clear at the top of the table before the split. If Rangers win, they're level. So everything is riding on this game. And because it's such a big occasion, because it's a special occasion, we brought in the big guns. Alan Morrison, Juco James, you're with me as always.
3: Enda. Hello. Yep. How you? Hello. Hello. Hello.
2: But we also have another Stato, is what, uh, I don't know, it seems to be the phrase that's thrown at these guys on uh, YouTube. Virgin is what big... we usually
4: get. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I can neither confirm nor deny whether that is true. I'm, I'm assuming because you guys all have children that it's probably not true. Um, Ross from Boys Analytics, you are our special guest this week. How are you getting on?
1: I'm doing good, Enda. Thanks for having me on. <laughs>
2: No worries at all. Bringing out the big guns, as I said. This is a big week. This is a massive week. It really can't be... uh, There's so many words you can use to describe this in terms of how massive this game potentially could be. Timelines have been full of Celtic goals, Celtic wins uh, at Ibrox, Celtic wins at Celtic Park, videos, montages, all the sorts uh, coming across. So in terms of your nerves, Ross, for this game, how are you uh, feeling?
1: Yeah, I, tw- I hadn't really, I think, felt it till today, I think, with the international break ending. And, and you kind of go back from your kind of, for me, Scotland mode back into kind of Celtic mode. To, that, that's what we're looking at. And then obviously today, the timelines we filled with um, different information pouring out, which I'm sure we maybe will discuss a bit later on. But yeah, starting to feel the nerves now. It does feel like this. this is it. If you win this game, it becomes very, very difficult for them to even make any sort of comeback with so few... Points left on the board, and them having to come to Celtic Park. So yeah, very, very nervous. Is this really? I mean, this could make her. This make doesn't make her break our season, but it does make her break their season, um, which is what I think is um, adding all the importance to this game. So yeah, mm. looking forward to. It. Very nervous. It's going to be a, a long few days getting to the the Sunday afternoon.
2: Mm. The picture of Alfredo Morelos on crutches in the airport, I presume, is what you're alluding to there. Whether or not he is going to be injured for this game is still unconfirmed. There was a statement from the Colombian FA on the 26th of March saying that he would not take part in their, their games because of a thigh injury. So the potential for him to be out injured for this game could be actually true. That v- photo, whether or not that's recent or not, he actually could miss this game through injury. But we'll come back to Rangers later on and how they're going to set up. Alan, I think the last game, if we take it back to the last RB, the 3-0 win, that's probably as, as emotional as I've seen you about a game of football in the aftermath of it the reaction to it was very uh, emotive are you still feeling the buzz that you were feeling after that game are you still feeling as confident because I remember the main thing you brought up was the mindset of the two sets of teams and whether or not Rangers mentally are strong enough to chase Celtic down for the title so if Celtic do win this game do you still feel the same way
3: Yeah, no, it was obviously uh, great to be there, and because of where I live and circumstances, you know, it's I only get usually to see a handful of games in the flesh a season. So it was special to go back And, and the first and the first game after. After COVID as well for me, and obviously just the whole nature of the the night was was very special. So that all kind of rubbed off. Uh, the, the 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 comment about pressure and ability to handle wasn't really an emotional response. That was based on fact, based on history of, of how of how they've tended to um, deal with pressure in the Scottish context um, at the at the tail end of the season. Um, you know, other than the, the the COVID season, which I think was extraordinary in, in many ways, so so that was the question in my mind. You know, how would they handle having pressure applied uh, by Celtic? And I think I said, to be fair, that if Celtic could get, uh, you know, a sizable gap, maybe five six points, then I didn't, I honestly didn't see them being able to close that. And and to be fair, they hadn't. But you know, they're still within the three. It's really four points with the goal difference. So in terms of in terms of nerves, uh, emotions, uh, I'm going through the same cycle I always go through, which is I'm, I'm finding uh, ways during the week to convince myself of why Celtic are the better team and will win. And then when I wake up on Sunday morning, I'll be comp- feeling completely negative and worried and completely stressed about it. That's kind of the normal cycle that I kind of go through. I'm sure it'll be exactly the same this time.
2: Mm. I did a preview yesterday with the guys from... Endless the Celts their their podcast, and I was telling them that my pre match routine is going to be a little bit different this weekend because the game's at twelve. But my sister's uh, brother is getting married at two o'clock on Sunday, so my mood at the wedding is going to be largely based upon the result of this game. And I probably won't actually get to see it properly. Really, I'll be watching it in the hotel room before before the wedding. James, what's your pre match routine for this? Because twelve o'clock on a Sunday is that that's quite early for you. Is that what's at six o'clock in the morning for you?
4: Well, you guys just set your clocks forward, I think on Sunday, right? So we've had different yeah. daylight savings the last few years. So yeah, we're, I'm, we're back to five hours uh, behind you on the East coast. So that's a 7 a.m. kick for me. Um, my normal uh, routine is my dogs get me up around 6 a.m. No matter what the day is, they, they, for some reason, they don't realize it's the weekend. Um, so I'll, I'll probably get up right at six and, uh, start my routine of coffee making uh uh bathroom visit visitation to make sure that i'm fully evacuated yeah, so in time that's for enough. That's enough. No, that's yeah enough. <laughs> yeah so that but the, the 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 nice part about it is that i wake up to the lineups already being out so that's the one upside of the anticipation of getting to see the lineup so there have been times where i'll wake up uh at five or 5 15 just because of the anticipation and the nerves and then it's like you know what am i doing up so early and then you know, by then you can't go back to sleep and wait in that extra like half hour till the lineups come out. That's the, that's the grind. So I'm hoping I get to sleep until six a.m. That's the goal.
3: Surely, mm-hmm. surely the beers will have been in the fridge all night, so they should be pretty. Yeah, cool you know what? I've, uh, if I go
4: somewhere, which I did look, but just family circumstances, I'll, I'll on occasions travel for for one of these to uh you know uh, Manhattan or Philly and stay overnight the night before and. and then it's a totally different routine because you're right. Then I, then I got to get up at like five so that I can start that whole process of coffee bathroom and then get to the point where I'm all ready to go to start drinking right when they open the, the door to the pub <laughs> at 7 a.m. Um, so you, you got to back, backdate the whole routine depending on where I'm at. And, and you go up streets. to the parlor? Is it the parlor bar? Do you go up to the parlor bar? No, I, I, I've always gone to Jack Dempsey's, uh, yeah. now, New York, uh, the NYCF's, uh, uh CSC has moved from the parlor down in the midtown. Uh, no, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I might, I might check that out. I I'd never gotten up that far Um uh, cause it was up on, I don't know, like 70 something street, mm, which, is yeah, a, yeah. I, which is a bit of a haul if you're staying in midtown. Um Cause I walk everywhere when I'm in Manhattan. I hate, I hate taking trains and stuff, but um so yeah, that's, that's the, that's the routine. It'll be me and the dogs. That'll be it.
2: A little bit more tame than everyone else in Scotland, I would imagine. You mentioned the starting lineups there. That's probably the main talking point. So we'll we'll kick into that for this game. I, I don't want to spend too much time on the Giacomacchus versus Kyogo thing because, I I mean, all logic tells me that Kyogo's not going to be playing in this game. But Tom Rodgick was pictured in training today, and his injury didn't seem as serious as Kyogo's or um as Turnbull's. So it seems that he's going to be at least in the matchday squad for this game. Ross, I know you're a big Matt O'Reilly fan, and uh, he was playing for Denmark in the international break as well. Are you a Matt O'Reilly ahead of Tom Roddick, regardless of whether Tom Roddick's fit, or how do you see the midfield shaping up for this one?
1: Yeah, I think the, the Matt O'Reilly over Tom Rodgick debate, especially for these types of games where we might not dominate as much, I think having the legs in the middle of the park as well is, is, much, more, is much stronger defensive ability. Uh, really helped Celtic out. I think that showed in the last game his ability to take the ball and control it, and really put Rangers under pressure quite a lot. Really, um, told, um, but when we look at the day, I mean, much like uh, James Allen, we've got some access to stats bomb now. When you compare O'Reilly and Roderic, the kind of differences in the profile of player are quite large, especially when it comes to the pressure, uh, pressure, and uh, winning the ball back counter pressures. It does seem like kind of O'Reilly fits into that kind of Maeda fold of that's the kind of player we're directly looking for, which is. What, we've, what you guys have been talking about since Ange kind of came in, that that's what's going to be happening in January. It's a lot of confidence to see that's the type of player we're going for, and it's quite exciting for summer, because we're probably going to bring in more guys that are much more like this, but um, things like Tom Roddick getting uh, has over five turnovers per game, that's the worst in the league. Um, O'Reilly's only in the 18th percentile, but he's only doing it two times for night, so Rodgick's way ahead of probably anyone in the league because he's taking a lot of risks in his first touch trying to beat the man, he's trying to beat the man with a dribble so he's getting pretty poor numbers in those but if he is successful, you're going to create a much better chance. But things like um, pressures, um, pressure regains, possession adjusted interceptions, O'Reilly is above the 70th percentile for all of these Rodgers, around the 20th I think one of the main ones is the tackle slash dribble pass percentage, like O'Reilly isn't getting bypassed at all uh, really, he's uh, up 96th percentile, Rojic forty four percentile. He's getting bypassed much more. He's still got the physical frame to kind of stop people running by him, but he doesn't have the mobility if they get away from him to really stop them. So that that's my memory. Um For what Rojic offers that O'Reilly doesn't, it's not a huge difference. He's a bit more um, savvy on the ball. He like to try and dribble and progress the ball himself a bit more. But uh, for the overall game and I think the suitability for the game against the opponents, I don't really know. How, why you would go Roger over O'Reilly in this case? Uh, I'm not too sure mm. what the other guys think, but well, I, I think I know what Alan thinks <laughs> in, in the O'Reilly set for Riley, but uh, that I've I, I tended to agree with him when he's talked about the kind of uh, uh on the podcast before in respect mm. to that.
2: Yeah, Alan, the, one of the things that springs to mind with the pressures that uh Russell is so there in, in the previous derby is the first 20 minutes where Celtic was, they were hounding the Rangers players in their own uh, third and they just could not get out. And it was constantly coming back to Celtic. It was constant pressure. Hatate was switchi- switching the ball quickly then to uh, maintain the momentum going forward. Is that a game plan you see Celtic going for again?
3: Well, yes, because I don't think Bostokoglu will do what 99% of managers would do in this situation, of which is you know pick a very pragmatic team. And just say to Rangers, you know, you, you have to win, and therefore we'll make it as difficult as possible for you. That that is the normal football paradigm in these situations. But we know that Postecoglou will not follow that paradigm. He will follow his own his own way. So, irrespective of what I think they should do, um, that's what he's going to do, right? So it's going to be the normal a normal attack. You know, you. Know, success will come through trying to play attacking football and putting the opponent on the, on the back foot that, that is, that is the philosophy and that's not going to change. Now that's not to say it's dogma and that it's just going to be like an all out attacking at any cost. We know that that's not true either. There will be, there will be tweaks and there will be, um, adjustments made to find weaknesses in the opponent. And, uh, for me, I completely agree with what, what Ross said, not surprisingly, on, on O'Reilly. I said last week that I thought the team that started against Ross County was what Postacoglu's got on his mind to start uh, that game, and I still stand by that. Now, there's a couple of doubts there. Maeda maybe has a rumour to have a little knock. Um, so, but I, I, th- I think uh, O'Reilly would start ahead of Rogic um, for that game, even though Rogic started against Ross County for the reasons that Ross said. I think they will pack... The midfield with with work work with workers. Um, I th- they may even play three at the back and then have five in midfield with the, with the Tavernier and on uh, on on one side and possibly. I'm uh, well, not even sure who they put his left wing back to be honest. Probably but um
1: Bassi, yeah, yeah,
3: maybe Bassi, yeah. Um, and 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 you're going to have Jack Lindstrom and possibly Arebo. So three quite robust, um, strong tacklers. So I think you, you want to be as athletic as you can. Um, but, the, but the trouble for them, I think, will be a creativity gap.
2: Mm. Uh, James, if we do go for the midfield that played against Ross County, that would be to assume that Cal McGregor is the sixth and Hatate is going to start this again. And obviously this was the game that Hatate announced himself as a, a Celtic player last time and was so, like just absolutely amazing in that game. Um, is that something that you think is the right suit for this game, or would you prefer to see Beaton coming in as the six and McGregor pushed up as eight? Which one do you think would suit this game better?
4: Yeah, I I, I think uh, assuming that Allen's uh, thesis is correct, and I t- I agree with him that uh, you know we're going to play the way we play, I I would say um, sticking with McGregor there makes sense. Um, I, I I'm actually a little bit flipped to Alan. So my anxiety is actually right now. Um, because I've I've um my 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 analytical buildup to this has got me very concerned and nervous. Um, which we can get into. I'll I'll probably get more optimistic the morning of as my uh, carnal uh urges start to take over. Um so I I, I think um One of the, we talked about this last week briefly is a relatively briefly is that one of the big variables here is the nature with which, uh, GVB has been managing them. And we really don't have a good, I, and I would be surprised if, uh, the Celtic, uh, staff has a good handle on what, I don't mean that intellectually, meaning that predicting how they're going to set up is not easy right now. Um, there's, there's a pretty good unknown. So um, I think we'll just do what we do, and then there might be some period of adjustment that takes place and tweaks that go tactically, depending on how they come out. Because, as Alan said, I could see them doing three at the back. I could see them going four, two, three, one. I could see all kinds of different variations, especially if Morales is out which all the, uh, you know, when you mentioned, I, I'm not sure why a pulled hamstring would result in crutches. So that, that, that I didn't see that cause I've been busy with other stuff uh, today online, but um, yeah. you know, I, I, so if, if Morales is out, do they go with roof? Do they go with Sakala at the nine? Do they, you know, who's at the right wing? Where's a Rebo fit in? Is it Camara at the 10 in the four, two, three, one, like we talked about, like they've done recently, all, all of these kind of iterations, um, and questions I think are far more pronounced on, on their side. And I suspect, as you guys have been saying, it's probably going to be, you know, barring some kind of, uh, issue with my starting, it'll probably be the Ross County side that lines up and I don't have any problem with that. Um, you know, given the way that we'll probably, uh, try to play the game.
2: Yeah, well, the greatest signing in the history of the SBFL may also be out injured for this game. There's rumours that Aaron Ramsey won't be available for selection for Rangers either. So again, that changes everything. If you look at their their team that beat Dundee um, in their last league fixture, Aaron Ramsey started on the right. Um, you know, Ryan Jack wasn't even playing in that game. If Morelos is out injured, that makes an impact on their team as well. So. You're talking maybe arebo coming in, maybe Roof as well. Ryan Jack almost certainly will start this game, considering the impact he had on the uh, the second half of the derby last time. So, yeah, it, there's it, a it, lot you, of variables in their their starting lineup.
4: Yeah, so I I think you can throw out the last the first two derbies of this season, meaning that if you the first one was completely different, given the turnover and personnel and who who played for Celtic, and, and they had a lot of people out. Uh, at the time with a COVID thing and whatever. And then this last game, if you look at, as I went back this week, I rewatched the game. I mean, they had Diallo on the right roof at striker uh, and a midfield three of Arfield, Who's been one of their worst midfielders this season, by the way, um, and a and, and Kamara. And, uh, you had Bassey at at center back and, um, uh, what's his face? At, at left shake back. Bag. <laughs> yeah, shake back, that's right, as McGregor <laughs> would say. Um, so I, I I think minimally you're going to see four, if not five. I think either it would be Balogun or Holander that comes in at center back, Bassey at left back, probably Jack and Lundstrom in the midfield with maybe Kamara. And then my guess is uh, a Rebo out wide right. And then uh, there's Sakala or Roof through the middle, so that's a totally different setup. And if you just if you think about where we typically attack down that left, where we had the triangles of Atate, Jota, you know Taylor and McGregor floating that side, who were they going up against? Diallo, Arfield, right with Roof, who does not is not you know all that good at pressing and tracking back and playing in the defensive. So that little pocket in where we do a lot of our activity was not uh facing anywhere near what what we could if they have a different lineup um regardless of whether it's a five in the midfield as Alan said or whether it's they go four two three one um so yeah I I think this is going to be a completely different kettle of fish as they say uh just based Mm -hmm. off of unless there's some kind of weird selection which again who knows that because he's quite uh, creative, shall we say. I'll be generous <laughs> in, in how he goes about setting up at times. Um, but I'd be surprised if it's not some, some mixture of what I mentioned.
2: What about Celtics forward then, Then Ross? Oh. If we go with Alan's prediction, it'll be Jota, Giacomakis, and Maeda up front for Celtic. Last mm-hmm. time around, it was a bad on the right wing, and himself and Juranovic absolutely tore Barisic to, thre- to threads that night. And he obviously got the the third goal. So, for you, is a Jordan on the right, Maid on the the left, and Jack off front, um, uh, or does Abada come into the questioning?
1: Well, with ba- Bassi back on the left hand side, Bassi's very athletic, very strong, very difficult player to actually dribble past. He ranks in the kind of top percentile for preventing that kind of thing. Uh, Bayers actually not as much, so Abada got quite a good amount of success, and um, the movement on that side um, really just exposed his lack of athleticism completely. Um, but Jota's up against Tavernier. Tavernier ranks, he's kind of middling for getting dribbled past, and Jota's main attribute, if you could say, is actually beating players 1v1. And if they do go with the five at the back, which I'm starting to think there's a, gener- a generally quite decent chance they might do that if he's trying to change things up, to really change things up to the last we went, he could do that. And then you, you've got a situation where you're pretty much going to have Jota 1v1 against Tavernier the whole game on that side. So do I want to have maybe Jota on the right-hand side when he could be up against Tavenier, and he's going to get much more joy out of that. And maybe Maeda's, again, also probably a better matchup against with, um He's not a big dribbler, so he's looking to try and beat him with his movement. Bassi's weaknesses defensively are more getting caught ball-watching, uh, not tracking runners, or just uh, making more basic headers in his game with him being maybe a bit more youthful. So uh, I was actually more leaning towards having Jota in his natural position and then having Maeda on the right, um, keeps him more on his natural sides. So if he can whip in these crosses, he can, but he can still do the same runs on that side. Um, however the striker is, Siakamakas or Kyogo, it doesn't really make a difference. I actually think when they're both in the box, they profile very similarly. Obviously, Kyogo's a bit better and he's a lot better the all-round game. But I think what we want the Celtic striker to do in this game is really just put the ball in the back of the net, especially if we are going to be maybe not is direct or uh, sitting on top of them as much, especially not sitting on top of them as much as we did in the last game. So uh, yeah, I was leaning towards Jota on the left and head on the right with um, whatever striker through the middle. Uh, uh, to see what the, the guys uh, think about that, um, just based on what I've um, looked up from the data and what, where I think they sit.
3: Yeah, I think it's a conundrum. I think, as James says, we genuinely don't know what they're going to do, whereas I think we do know what we're going to do. Um, But I think for the reasons that James mentioned there, I do quite like the idea that their right may well be a little bit more stacked defensively in this game. And actually Maida, who's not going to get involved in a huge amount of build-up, making those runs is maybe, because Taverni's better going forward than defensively. So him running off Taverni, I quite like. And the idea of the movement and pace of Jota O'Reilly and Juranovic on the right-hand side really testing Bassi's concentration with, with movement and quick ball uh, cycling uh, kind of, I like this, I like the possibility of that, that, you know, so, so I'm, I'm kind of, <laughs> I kind of can see both, I can see all sides of that, but it really, I really don't, I really don't know what they're going to do, but I'm becoming more and more convinced that Postacogbi will have an answer to whatever way they set up and will make mm. small adjustments You know, he won't just sit on his hands. He won't wait to the 75th minute like some managers of recent years and do nothing to change the flow of it. If he sees it, he'll change it, I think. Given
2: what we've been saying so far and the general season as it it has been, we pretty much know the starting eleven. We pretty much know how we're going to play in relation to that starting eleven. Whereas with Rangers, we're sort of discussing... You know, could they play three at the back? Could they play five at the back? And one of the biggest psychological things going into these games, is cup finals as well, is that you should never change away from your routine. So you shouldn't, if if you have a cup final, you shouldn't turn up three hours earlier just because it's a cup final. You should, you know, go through your normal pre-match routine as normal, so that it feels as normal as possible. So in in a way, do Celtic have an advantage going into this game that they are so settled in what they're doing that, you know, the Rangers players don't know really what way they're going to be playing based on a European game, based on a league game, based on a cup game, based on the Celtic game, whereas Celtic are kind of going out here, you know, doing what they have been doing for the, the entire season so far.
4: I, I, I think, um, as I said last week, I think that this setup introduces a lot of variability, meaning that that's certainly a plausible uh, scenario. Um, but they have been playing this way uh, to a significant degree since the, the winter break, meaning that um, as logically, you know, he get thrown in. I think his first game manager was November 28th, uh, at least in the, the, the league. And, uh, you know, with the flurry of December games, you know, prop, similar to Celtic, you know, there's not a whole lot of time for strategic uh, uh, practicing and, and putting things in. Uh, so as they've come out of that winter break, and if you look at what they have done in Europe, they've been, um, dynamic, maybe is a word flexible, um, you know, they seem to have come out four, two, three, one, and then if they get a lead, then they kind of drop back into more of a, um, you know, five at the back or five in the midfield, that, that type of thing. Um, so, I mean, that would be my guess. Like I, I'd actually, my guess is that they won't start three uh three five two or three five one one or whatever you want to call it um my guess is they will go four two three one uh and then maybe switch if they get a lead uh, at least that'll be their plan is my guess because again that's kind of what they've done against Dortmund and and against Belgrade um so I there's some familiarity relative to that uh, because they've already been doing it against similar level opposition um, but you're right I mean it's not as The duration is not as long as obviously uh, the Celtic players have had with 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 our system, Um, but you know again I I think uh, the other aspect of this because it's so fresh is because we haven't you know we haven't really seen these players play this way against each other. I mean you've got if it's Hitate O'Reilly and Maeda, those are three hugely important players um, that won't have faced Rangers setting up this way. Uh, and particularly with the personnel, so it's almost like a completely fresh dynamic. I think. Um, uh, so I, I think that freshness is going to be in, in both directions to to a large degree. Um, so I, you know, I, I I find this fascinating analytically. I mean, it, to me, um, I, I think it's very interesting to see what what, what unfolds. Hmm.
2: Ross, we've been doing the. Uh, play breakdowns together for the last couple of weeks and uh, one person in particular i can't remember if it was the second person have been saying that we're basically doing the opposition's job doing the you know showing what celtic <laughs> are doing well or doing showing what celtic are doing badly but uh so let, let's pretend we're uh, a ranger scout uh for this week what are you looking at from a celtic perspective where can celtic uh, damage Rangers, where would a, 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 a Ranger Scout be looking at Celtic and saying, okay, this is where we need to pay attention to?
1: Mm. Well, I think from the Ranger Scout wish they will definitely have people hired to do that job. <laughs> Always very yeah. fun to They're see not relying on
2: Celtic podcasters to do it for them.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, <laughs> enough, <yeah. laughs>
1: I'd imagine a lot of the focus of their work will be on trying to counter what my is doing um on the wing. He's a player that's new into the team. When he only played, I think, 20, 25 minutes against Rangers in the home game, um, they won't have as much information on him as the rest of the team, uh, especially in the wide areas. So I imagine quite an extensive bit of work will have been done into seeing how he plays and operates and how he tries to move off players and trying to um, find ways to counteract that, whether it's having um, the centre-back um, quick, being a bit quicker to identify if he's getting him behind the full-back and coming over to cover. Um, and just... Uh, trying to figure out how to try and nullify his threat. I think also maybe looking at how they try and play out from the back is going to be a very big one. I think at Celtic Park they were they they were awful at trying to play out from the back. They tried it quite a few times and ended up just going long uh, to an isolated roof. So I think with Maeda starting as well, trying to break that initial press is something they're going to have to really look at trying to do. Um, I think they're going to have much more ability to do that with Ryan Jack back in the side and Lindstrom being a bit more mobile. Um, so it's going to be really important, uh, important that Hitate, um, yeah. O'Reilly or Rodjick and Giacomakis, if he's up top, kind of come in and close that gap, get these pressing traps working. And especially see if we do it early on and hit their confidence, um, especially if the balls coming to Tavernier or Bassey, they're just going to try and go long up the wing very quickly. And that's what we're trying to look for, try and hit them at their flow of the, what they're trying to do and put... Um, push onto the game what we want to do. Uh, so I think that, that that's the areas I'd be looking at Files Rangers trying to play out um through our press and looking at players but maybe they'd maybe not seen as much in Maeda.
3: Do you go along with that Alan? I just I just need to just so so Ross, did you just say that you thought Ludenstrom was was an increased mobility, and I'm well, saying it's this. Our, it's I, our field. <laughs> I, I, I used to, I know, but I used I used to watch uh, Lindstrom down the lane at, at Sheffield for quite a while. And we'll be, he is literally a lump of wood. <laughs> 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 even 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 in the even in championship level, uh, he wasn't the most mobile. Mm-hmm. But no, listen. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I did a little piece on this in the weekend the sense of what are the weaknesses that other teams are trying to exploit in Celtic. And and for the, the rest of the SPFL, it's loading high balls onto Starfelt and Taylor, on the basis that a Starfelt is um, relatively relatively speaking weak in the air, and has a very low aerial percentage dual win rate for a centre a half.
1: A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times.
3: And also Taylor's uh, recovery pace is less than Juranovic, for example. In terms of there's often a gap there in the left. Taylor has been wandering up the line as as he often he does. So I don't suspect they will <laughs> they will be lumping long high diagonals onto the top of Starfield, In all honesty, um, so I think it, it will be trying to, as as Ross says, break that initial initial press and then. Almost, almost play on the counter with with you know Kent and Morelos as they do in mm. Europe. But I think for me, the, the 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 really fascinating aspect of this game is that the way that both teams want to play is not the way that they should play uh, and are going to play. Right, and what I mean by that is, I think they uh, are most comfortable with the personnel that they have, and 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 historically over the last two or three seasons, as and, and the results show this. They're more comfortable playing a European away game or even a home game against a, a good opponent than they are trying to break down a packed defence. Whereas we know that, post- and so for them, they don't want to be going out for a, all out for a win. Okay, this is where they come unstuck in in run in of the mill SPFL games where they're playing against a packed defence. So they they want to play a more counter attacking game. They want to be solid in their own defensive structure. Whereas Celtic um, don't need to win the game, frankly. And therefore, in terms of the way they should play by the by the normal paradigms, uh, it should be a fairly compact Celtic, but we know they're not going to do that. So I think both teams are going to play opposite to the way that they actually should, given the the circumstances of the match. I think that's that's the fascinating aspect of it. Mm.
2: Logically, that does make sense to me. If, if I'm a Scottish team, I'm targeting Celtic's left side of defence, especially just because of the, the height of Greg Taylor as well as his lack of mobility. In previous years... And I could be completely wrong with this, but I seem to remember arebo causing Celtic quite a lot of issues over the last number of years down that right-hand side. And um, He could start in this, James. Is that somewhere that you think they're going to try target as well, the left-hand side of Celtic's defense, maybe trying to go at them and get at them and get Starfelt on his back foot and try turn him and try turn Greg Taylor and things like that?
4: Yeah, I, I think that's kind of the... Uh the Sophie's choice for Celtic to a degree, which is if we try to impose that high line with the center backs, then that creates a dynamic of, um, you know, if they, if they do break out of, of the press, um, that transition and the pace that they might be able to offer, um, c- could be threatening and, and, uh, versus if they, if we play a little bit more, um, uh, reserved, not quite as high of a line, then that creates that extra space for somebody like Kent to drop in to the half space or like a Rebo and kind of facilitate those transitions. And I, I think that's, that's the upside of Morales, Um If he doesn't play is that that's one of the things that he's been pretty good at is dropping into those spaces and kind of being the fulcrum to, um, you know, for them to play off of uh, in, in transition um so yeah I, I think our left side is the obvious place that people would target and again this is where i go back to that prior game where the, the the triangle of attacking players was diallo Arfield, and roof and you know that just didn't work for a variety of reasons um and and i think they're unlikely to replicate that uh and, and not only in the personnel side but also from a a, a structure i mean they, they kind of played that really the 4-3-3 i mean they set up in in Gerard's 4-3-3 in that game and and they've been going more towards a 4-2-3-1 um so that you know that introduces a little bit different dynamics as far as who's dropping and where and in who's where in those transitions potentially um the, the other thing i would say is you know i i hope they try to play out from the back because mcgregor is awful on the ball um and the flip side of that is I hope they don't press us high. I I, I rewatched the game. Um, They did not press us high until the 37th minute in, in the first half, they basically sat back and, you know, kind of that again, I talked to, I joked the Frankenstein, they they kind of played that midfield block, the mid block uh, like Gerard had for the most part in the four, three, three. And as soon as they pressed us high, we, you know, our deficiencies at the back, uh so i hope you know obviously i hope my is fit and i hope they decide to try and play out from the back because you know M- M- mcgregor in some ways similar to hart is a bomb scare waiting to go off uh when he's trying to play out from the back and and you know they get they're both quite uh, distressed when they get put under pressure when they kick long meaning that they're they're you know, when you, if they have time, they're okay, long kicking, particularly hard hearts, quite good long kicking when he's got the time, but you put pressure on both of them and, you know, the ball gets turned over pretty regularly. Um, so I, I think that's going to be another component, which is which team actually can press high up um, and which of the two teams, if that does happen actually tries to play through it versus just, you know, go long with it. Uh, Cause I, again, to Alan's point, I think, Probably both teams from a risk management perspective in this kind of game should probably go longer more so than trying to play through it. Because I don't think either team is, given the strengths of the other's opponent and the matchup, should really be trying to play out from the back that aggressively.
2: Mm-hmm. We mentioned goalkeepers as well in our Q&A last week, but... <laughs> Coming to claim things and Hart's ability to do that, and almost the game management and positioning based on that. James, just top of my head now that I'm I'm actually on this topic, one of the things we mentioned with Hart before is the gap between the defense and and Hart and his starting position. Have you noticed any difference in that since we had that discussion a couple of months ago? Has he improved on that, or is that something we still need to to look at? Because if you're counterattacking, that's where that's where you're going to get pleasure. Is if the gap is too big between defense and goalkeeper.
4: Yeah, it's more I wouldn't say it's necessarily improving. It's just for the most part he's not playing in that um, you know, advanced really high up. Now he has a little bit against, you know, uh, you know, Ross County when they were down to 10 men kind of situation. That he's been way out. Um, but if, again if you just looked at how Bain played in the preseason uh, or looked at how uh Ange's Keepers played in Japan, I mean, you're talking a good 10-15 yards of advanced placement versus where Hart's been. Um, but we've, I, I think we've squeezed teams so much in pressing and counter-pressing that it's, most teams, particularly domestically, um, do not have the ability to kind of try to capitalize on that. Um, and to, to their credit, I think uh, Carter Vickers and Starfeld have gotten a lot better at anticipating that and positioning for it and, and you know b- being ready for it. Um, so I, I think that the gap's still there, but it, it, it's uh, it's a tough thing to capitalize on. I mean, it really took somebody that's well drilled and skilled and talented like Alkmar um, to try and capitalize on it. And and you know w- would that be part of the toolkit that Rangers might look to exploit? I mean, possible. But again, then you're getting back to who's delivering that long ball. Um, I yeah you know, I don't see McGregor being a keeper that's going to ping those kind of balls um, w- with any kind of frequency. Yeah, he He's
2: still oddly good at shot stopping, though, for a goalkeeper of his age and size. You know, I mean, his his beer belly sort of moves with him when he's diving, but he still manages to <laughs> take it over to the shots and in some sort of an agile way. Uh, Ross, does the idea of this being an Ibrox, does that change anything in terms of Celtics' approach to the game for you?
1: Uh, well, we've seen from Ange that, that he just doesn't care where the games are played. He's going to play his way regardless. Glasgow, um, mate. It's, it's, it's Glasgow. <laughs> Glasgow. I mean, it's went it's went from twenty degrees. Uh, I think it was twenty degrees yesterday and snow yesterday. So it's a, it's a volatile place already. So I'm pretty sure he's going to go out and he's going to attack them. And if he gets a goal early, um, with the way their kind of mental state is, um, they could crumble very quickly. Um, especially if they try and come out onto us and leave spaces in behind where our, our attacking players can really start um, hurting them. So I'm I'm quietly confident going into the game. I'd say if you're probably looking at a betting market, I'd say both teams are probably even on paper, um because they're at home. But I'm, I'm quietly confident going into it. Uh, I think Ange will Ange has a system. It's he knows exactly how he wants to play, and I think on the other side of Glasgow, they're still trying to figure out what their best formation and best starting in is. And I think that's always going to be a huge advantage. On top of that, they've got injuries. Um, the Nigerian trio had a really tough time in international break. I'm sure we all seen the, the horrible scenes out there, so he's got all sorts of things that um, he's got to deal with with players coming back and getting them back into the right mindset for this game. So I think it, it really should be a, a game where we, are, we come out high energy, get on top of them and see if we can knock their confidence early on like we did at Celtic Park, because I think they're there for the taking and the league's there for the taking this weekend. Mm.
2: Well, that was one thing that Celtic definitely did last time and they, they clearly had a game plan to sit back and try to get Celtic on the counter-attack in the first game, but everyone has a good plan until you get punched in the face, mm-hmm. and they got punched in the face multiple times by Celtic <laughs> in the first 20 minutes, and suddenly the game was completely done and they had nothing really to bring to the table. So if Celtic do go 1-0 up in this, do they? what sort of approach do you think they're going to bring? Are they going to come out of this, in which case that will open them up, um, or do you think they'll sit, still sit back and look for a counter-attack, or what do you think?
1: Um, I think I think regardless when we went one nil up at Celtic Park, nothing really changed because momentum of the game was with us. The only real momentum shift in the game was when half time came. And when you're 3 0 up at half time and um you're playing still a fairly dangerous opponent with some good players on their side, you're looking to control the game, very much limit chances and make sure they're doing a lot of running and a lot of hard running which is very demoralising when you're behind. So I think if we go 1-0 up it, especially if it's in the same half, it's going to be very much the same. It's going to be trying to look to kill the game off as they try and push further up the park. Um, Even if it's if they go from uh, sitting, uh, pushing up 5-10 yards, that's more space for, or uh, much more mobile forwards to exploit. And behind, what well, I imagine will be a Goldson balligan combo, which can be exploited as they can get caught ball watching or maybe just don't have the pace or strength to match Giacomakis or Maeda. So, I think unless we're a few goals up at halftime, it's very much going to be intensity, intensity, intensity. But I guess the the main worry is you get to the 60th, 70th minute. It's nil-nil. And then you're looking at what what kind of subs we're going to bring... Uh, what kind of subs are going to bring on to keep the intensity going or if the game's going to come much more under a more controlled kind of manner in that kind of area of the game so I think that's kind of the one thing maybe it'd be kind of good to discuss what, what what happens if the game is nil-nil after 60 minutes and maybe Celtic have tired a bit more than them because they've sat in and absorbed pressure so I think, I think that, that that's my one worry is we don't get ahead because if we let them kind of come back into the game with the crowd and things like that and they get on top of us and they're launching balls into the box. And if as if it is, it looks like it will be roof playing. That's his main asset as a player is box movement and trying to get a, a yard of space in front of a centre back. So I think there's some worries in my head, but I think if we get the if we get the first goal, I don't. I just don't see us dropping points. Do
3: you want to come in on that, Al? I'm just pinching myself, we're not used to having this positivity. You know, normally, <laughs> we've got me and James worrying about everything that can go wrong for, for a good hour. Uh, so this, this positivity is uh, kind of you know, just taking me by surprise and breath of fresh air. Because, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, no, I, 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 if you look at all the variability, um, and we talk about this all the time, um, the variability is all on their side pretty much in this for this game in terms of... As Ross said, in terms of you know injury concerns, doubts as to the approach and the setup and the tactics and the formation at the most basic level, there's going to be some. There's a lot of different options. We can't we can't settle on one here, and we've looked at it a lot. Um, in terms of pressure, the pressure of the occasion is all on them. You know, Martin O'Neill said that this morning, and he would know that. And that, and that is that is a really important factor, actually. Uh, the, the, the the impetus and the, pre- the impetus to do to do something and to make something happen and the pressure of the occasion is all on them um you know so so the, in terms of you know the, the state of the celtic squad the improvement in the cohesion that the players have demonstrated over especially since january um we're we're also seeing the the variance fairy is, is sprinkling variance positive dust on celtic to the extent of you know, we've seen a few deflected goals go in, a few positive, you know, decisions, etc. All of those things are are, 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 are accumulate um, and are, are mainly in in Celtic's uh, favor for this for this match. So that that's all good. I think I I worry about set pieces because again, it's it's clearly where Celtic are not as strong. We're not a physically tall team. They are they are generally above average in terms of. Um, exploiting set piece situations. And obviously with Tverni, you've got somebody who can deliver very well from set pieces. Um, and obviously, you know, the ability to win free kicks <laughs> is, is certainly there as well. So uh, that's, that's obviously the piece. Because that, that again, that that you don't need to have expensive players to head the ball in from a free kick. You know what I mean? That that that's tends to be a bit of a leveller in the matches. We've seen it all yeah, throughout the SBFL. So that would be my kind of main concern. But as I say, all the pressure... And all the sort of uh, doubt and negative variance. Will Morelos play one t? I don't really care one way or another from a Celtic perspective whether he does play, but I think it's, it would be a real blow for them psychologically if he didn't. You know, being the top scorer, um, his record against Celtic's is really poor. Um, so you know the, uh, that all that all makes it positive in my mind. But as I say, set pieces probably is the the nagging doubt for me.
2: Yeah. Without going into too much detail or conspiracy theories about it, Willie Collum is the referee for the game this weekend. If you're talking about positive variance, assuming that uh, Rangers will get a penalty in this game, uh, how, what what do you ex- what do you want Celtics XG to be at before that? <laughs>
4: the Willie Collum experience. Yeah, every yeah. <laughs> Cups had one. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's. Um... So this goes back to uh, some of the, the prep work I've done. Work, looking at stuff, not work, but looking at stuff, getting getting uh, ready for the game uh, is, you know, we we've pretty reliably been conceding, you know, if 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 you back out Jablonik, uh, you know, so pretty much European opposition better than Jablonik. Uh, we we've averaged right around one and a half in uh, XG conceded which is uncomfortably high now some of that's tilted because of Betis and Leverkusen but you know Alkmaar posted a game that was really high Michelin as well um you know uh uh, uh Bodo Glimp was right at uh, around one uh both games so you know it, it it uh if you throw a penalty into the mix the, these two teams I think are so well matched from a um from a talent and from a resource perspective um, that it's fine margins. And, you know, uh, as we saw, even in the first game, I, I going back and rewatching the last game and, you know, we talk about game state. I mean, you know, the, a deflected shot goes in right. That, that was good luck. Uh, it was an angled deflected shot from distance. So that happens. Um, and, you know, arebo has a pass that if it's a foot to the right, Fields through on a one-on-one uh with Hart, right those those two incidents in that game early if they flip which would be you know easily would could could have flipped just from a variance perspective and all of a sudden you know is it a different game so these these you know you say oh well if ifs and buts right well when even with a three nil game i think the, the the stats bomb xg and some of this was a you know, a lot late with a header from Goldson, but RXG was only 1.15. Um, so, you know, th- these are really closely matched teams and the Willie Column experience, <laughs> uh, if there's, you know, a, an early yellow against one of our defenders or McGregor, for example, or a red, you can't dis- discount that, um, or a penalty, you know, th- these kinds of things could be hugely important even more so than in a normal game because of how close these two teams are. Um, So I, I think, you know, I dread his involvement, just like I dread any of the, of the refs, but he, I think him specifically, he's so unpredictable, like he's just unpredictably bad with, I I think he's so crazy with some of his stuff, like, and, and I don't think there's any rhyme or reason to it. Um, you know, whereas it, you could maybe put together theories with some of the other ones <laughs> directionally. Uh, I, I just think he's an authentically terrible ref and, and that can fall in any kind of way. Um, and this is not the game for us to have that kind of risk, unfortunately.
2: As I as I've said before, I go into it probably naively in, in thinking that the referees are, are just bad. There are a couple of referees in Scotland where I could point out in a Celtic Rangers game that, you know, now, maybe there's a bit of bias in there as well. But Willie we Collum, to me, is just hilariously bad for a professional referee. It's incredible that he's managed to keep his uh, refereeing license at this level. But uh, we'll move on. The penalty situation, it's sometimes I think the, the social media manager for the Rangers Twitter, he does a warm-up as well as the players, so he has that has that penalty to Rangers card ready to go and it's out within two seconds of the thing going out. But, uh, Ross, since you're our special guest, the guys. Love this section. They they really like when I ask them for a prediction for the game because it's the easiest thing in the world to do. So I'll let you go first on this one. What's your prediction for the, the game this Sunday?
1: I'm going to go 2-1 Celtic. Let's go very positive. <laughs> we'll go 2-0 up in the first half.
2: That's the shortest answer I've ever had on the predicting session. Usually <laughs> I get some, some long convoluted <laughs> answer and then, and then it, it, doesn't, it doesn't even give me a prediction in the end. So thank you for that. Uh, Alan, uh, I'll start the clock now. You have. Uh,
3: <laughs> he's, he's, he's absolutely showing us up because you're, you're spot on. And uh, no, normally I kind of rattle on, and I can see that your eyes are kind of drooping and then I, I avoid giving a prediction at all. <laughs> <laughs> it works. It works every time. Oh, I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm going to go two 0 Celtic. I'm going to be pretty positive.
4: I'm, James, I'm, I'm going to go two two. Which, by the way, I'd be thrilled with
2: yeah well I mean we can get a draw it's, I've, I've said this already Celtic go into this with all the power if they draw they're still in the, the driver's seat if they win they you know they're six points clear so I'm, I'm confident going in 2-1 to Ross 2-0 for Allen. 2-2 for James I I've been 2-1 for the last couple of days so I'm going to stick with that 2-1 and it's going to be a Rangers penalty in there somewhere. 2-1 to it, <laughs> I say, anyway. um, So, yeah. Anything else you just want to bring up before we finish up the Derby preview? I, the,
4: the only thing I'll say, and again, I wrote an article on this. I, I think part part of my anxiety is I can attribute, like, it, to me, you know, there's, there's always a risk in analysis about arbitrary endpoints, right? You pick this time and to that time, and you can, you know, do all kinds of crap to conform uh what i did using what i thought was reasonable logic meaning that coming out of the winter break it's 11 games so you're basically looking at one cycle through the league obviously not the same home and away but you know it's a decent uh trip through the league um and and both teams having been relatively settled coming out of the winter break um it is basically as why i say they're so you know, the results have been quite different, but the underlying metrics have been unbelievably comparable, like shockingly. So, um, and, you know, t- to me, that is different than the narrative coming into the game, right? The narrative is, well, you know, Rangers have not been playing that well and that, you know, they've been doing it in Europe, but not domestically, whereas Celtic, you know, have been almost the opposite opposite, we've choked through domestically and, and, um, you know, did, did not do well against Bodo. So I, I, I th- like I said, I think that th- these are so close, the two teams. Um, And, 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 and so that, that's what I'll end with is that that's why I'm nervous is because the, the, the kind of the fan experience, the normal fan experience would understandably have us quite confident coming into this game. And I, I'm not saying I'm not confident or optimistic. It's just that I think the consensus is probably over optimistic relative to what I'm seeing analytically um to me it's legitimately more of a a coin flip game or probably shaded because of the factors that we've talked about maybe shaded a little bit in their direction uh from an analytical perspective and if you look at the betting markets that's how they have it um so i, I think in this case the, the the betting markets are probably relatively efficient
3: yeah i think that's fair in terms of the underlying performance data You if you think that celtic have um one whatever it is one nine and drawn one since january and i think they've lost one obviously and drawn three or four maybe in that time but actually the underlying in terms of the number of shots xg you know touches in the box keeper saves by the opposition all those kind of things it's actually pretty pretty uh level to be fair um but you know, what is the case? What, what I've been trying to sort of, you know, putting all bias aside, what is the case for Rangers to win the game? And, and what, what we're trolling around looking at stuff from their own fans, and it seems to boil down to they're at home and they beat Dortmund, and that seems to be it. Because, like, like we've just shown, we we can't show that this particular arrangement of players in this particular tactical formation is going to beat Celtic because because we don't know. And they don't know either because they don't know what they what what they're going to put out. So I think I think that allied to the fact that, as I say, the reason that they their performance data is good but the results haven't been good is that after eighteen months of kind of positive variance on their side, that's kind of flipped a bit in the last in the last couple of months, and and hopefully that continues on Sunday. And 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 the fact that all the pressure is on them suggests that it, it may do.
2: Mm. Well, it's it's sort of like the person who wears a nice fluffy coat out to the game on Sunday because they see that it's going to be cold. That's Celtic. So Celtic, they're assuming that everything's going to plan and they'll, they'll bring their nice coat. The Rangers fans aren't. They're hoping that it's going to be sunny and it could well be sunny on Sunday and they could be the ones having the last laugh. But I think Celtic are just more comfortable and more confident going into this game because they are more prepared I would say in the way that they they do things and the way they go about. So I don't know. That's why I'm more comfortable with saying that Celtic are going to win this game. I just, um, Celtic have stuck to a plan this entire time and they're still sticking to the plan regardless of what position in the league they are. So uh, generally the teams that do that tend to do better over the longer course of a season. So we shall wait and see this Sunday. Ross, Ross, if people want to get your stuff boys analytics on twitter is where they can get you and yeah, the celtic way as well right
1: yeah yeah doing a bit of writing for a celtic way um, same as other guys and yeah boys analytics uh if you want to give me a follow you can
2: mm. i almost feel like i should be getting a free subscription to the celtic way because you plug alan plugs it every week you've plugged it a couple <laughs> of times james plugs it every week and i'm still sitting here and uh, not having a subscription to the celtic way so maybe i should be getting a a free subscription to that for giving them free advertisement every week on the the show. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Anyway, guys, enjoy the game.
4: Thank you, guys. No worries.
2: Thanks.
1: Yeah, thanks. Take care. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Ross. No worries. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate
2: it. Yeah, cheers, Ross. And if you want to get the rest of our stuff, it is available on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcast, or you can subscribe to the Breakdown Inc. YouTube channel by hitting the red button below. Get notified every time a video is live We will be back again next week with the Derby review. So, hopefully, we'll have a game, a win to uh, review in that podcast next week. Enjoy the game, guys, on Sunday, and we'll chat to you then.
0: Planning for your next trip?